0: Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast. and appreciate your support. Welcome to episode seven of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha. Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, Today's episode, going to be doing a Clippers-Warriors playoff preview. I will have Anthony Slater, the Warriors beat writer for The Athletic, on. uh, But before that, I'm going to preview the series, give my take on the matchup, give a prediction as to how I think it will play out, what I'm going to be looking for, what I think the keys are, and then we'll go from there. I don't know where to begin with this. Uh, this was not the outcome I was looking for. Selfishly, uh, you know, I, I think as as a beat writer covering a team, you know, I, I don't believe in being a, a homer or, or being too subjective. I, I still believe in objectivity, but it is difficult to sell optimism uh, in this series, you know. So, for those who are unaware, which I, I hope you guys are aware by now, uh, the Clippers are facing the Golden State Warriors in round one. Uh, the Clippers despite beating the Utah Jazz uh, last night on Wednesday night the regular season finale uh, they did indeed stay in the number eight seed the Spurs and Thunder both won the Clippers needed one of those two to lose for them to uh, you know bump up to seven did not happen and the Clippers basically because of that Lakers loss you know I, I have not done a podcast since that lakers loss that was a very bad loss uh it was the worst loss of the Clippers season and i know that is a bit of a subjective thing you know you can go back and look at you know like they had that washington wizards loss in washington where they blew a 24 point lead and that that probably was you know the worst loss in terms of their win probability uh you know the high of their win probability to to them losing a game like yeah, it's probably the Washington game. But, and there are a few others. Like this team had a statistical profile of a 43 win team. They won 48 games. Doc Rivers basically said that last night. Like, you know, if you're comparing the games that we won that we shouldn't have won versus the games that we should have won that we did not win, we're probably winning that battle. And, and the Clippers are. The Clippers, you know, again, just based on their point differential and their statistical profile. We're more of a 43-win team. Now, 43-win team still would have been the eighth seed, but it would have been a gap between, you know, a bigger gap between them and, and the Thunder and the Spurs. So the fact that the Clippers won 48 games, won a lot of close games, I think that really speaks to, you know, Doc Rivers coaching, Lou Williams uh, crunch time scoring, you know, Danilo Gallinari, who's another, you know, crunch time guy who hasn't really been talked about in, in that way. But, you know, he, he's up there uh, in terms of crunch time, you know, fourth quarter scoring, uh, Montrez Harrell, Pep Everly. So, the clippers you know have five guys in the top 45 in terms of plus minus in crunch time so you know no other team has five and uh you know the clippers have been the best crunch time team in the nba and i think that it that has played into their favor but it has also probably given them a little bit of a better record than um you know there's again there's the profile would indicate uh but look like that Lakers loss, you know, to go back to that quickly, like that, that was really costly. If they hadn't won that game, uh, they would have been looking at, you know, a six or seven seed uh, and playing Portland or Denver in round one uh, versus, uh, you know, playing the Warriors where again, it's just like, look, I I believe in if you're a fan of a team, if you're a fan of the Clippers, you should believe the Clippers are going to win round one. You, You know, you should buy into that. This team has defied conventional wisdom all season They, you know, they, they were projected to win 35 to 37 games. You know, most people had them as a 10 to 12 seed and they went out and, you know, were were the eight seed and really were the six seed, uh, you know, top six, seven seed for for most of the season Were the six seed a a few days ago and then then dropped, uh, you know, after that Warriors loss and uh, really, you know, at the last few days of the season. Uh, But look like this team has, has proven their, their doubters and critics wrong all year. Now they're facing the greatest challenge you could possibly face in the playoffs, which is playing the warriors team going for a three Pete, uh, have won three of the last four titles. They have probably two of the greatest 25 players of all time. And and probably creeping up that list. If not top 20 uh, you know, they potentially have five or six hall of famers, depending on how many more titles, uh, Andre Iguodala wins, depending on how the rest of DeMarcus cousins career plays out. Like, but they they got four Hall of Famers already, so I like look. I I don't want to oversell or or you know kind of oh, just praise the Warriors too much. But it's like they're they're the favorite against the field for a reason. You know that Vegas has the the most likely outcome is not just the Warriors winning the title. It's more likely than any other outcome You know all the other outcomes combined, and I just think. This was the one scenario you did not want as a Clippers fan uh, or a Clippers supporter whatever, and they got it. And, you know, look, like, at the end of the day, this was a successful season. This is probably Doc Rivers' best coaching of his career. Uh, You had a career year from Lou after having a career year last year, and now at 32 having another career year. uh, You know, you have the promising play of of Shea and Landry and Evita Zubots moving forward. You have draft picks, you have cap space. You have Danilo Gallinari, who is having a sneaky all NBA caliber season. I really think he deserves consideration for that sixth forward spot. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll probably go to LeBron James or Blake Griffin. But, you know, Danilo, one factoring in health, one factoring in the fact that he's been the Clippers' best player all season. He really was their best player when they had Tobias Harris. I thought Tobias was the better and more important important offensive player but when factoring in defense and and just all around play and importance gallo has been their best season-long player and i think he you know the the fact that this team overachieved and and just you know even looking at the the rest of the west and and who made the playoffs like you know look even the spurs right like a lot of people thought the spurs overachieved but they have lamarcus aldridge and demar DeRozan. those are two all-stars two guys who've made all nba teams you know, to some people are all NBA candidates this season. Like, you know, the the comparing the rosters, like the Clippers have a deeper roster, but you know, the top end talent, which really dictates this league is, you know, much in the Spurs favor and and much in really the rest of the West favor. If you're just comparing each team individually to the Clippers. So the fact that the Clippers won 48 games, you know, had a chance to be a a six seed, uh, you know, even a five seed for, for a bit really into the last couple of weeks, like, that speaks just volumes of, of, you know, this team is ahead of schedule. This franchise is ahead of schedule uh, on their, you know, progress track. I think they are going to get a free agent, you know, big-time free agent this summer. And I think they're going to be a contender for the top of the West next season. But in the meantime, you got a playoff series with the Warriors. And I don't want to sell false optimism. Like, I think the, the fact of the matter is the Warriors are most likely, you know, Going to win this series and it's most likely going to be a short series. I I would say at this point it's probably going to be a four or five game series. I I would I would say it's more likely to be a four-game series than a six-game series. And that's just the the reality of the situation. The Warriors have lost two games in the first round over the last four years. Uh they don't lose in the first round, really. And, And if they do, it's just because they kind of check out for a game or or a fourth quarter and end up losing that. So you know, maybe that gives the Clippers a, a win in, in one of the two games at Staples, game three or game four. But the Warriors are basically unbeatable. They are the greatest offensive team ever. That's kind of, un, you know, undisputable at this point. Whether they're the greatest team ever, that that's, you know, up for debate. You could put them against the, the you know, 80s Celtics and Lakers. You could put them against the 90s Bulls, the early 2000s, Kobe Shaq, uh, Lakers, maybe, maybe the LeBron Heat, whatever. But, like, they're in that conversation. And the clip you know the, the clippers can have all the motivation in the world they can have all the effort the grit the toughness but at some point schematics come into play at some point talent comes into play and the warriors have that and and you know for me you know one thing i, I try to look at when i'm predicting and judging a playoff series is all right take the two teams put them on the blacktop right and and line them all up and start drafting them and, and see you know, a lot of times you're going to see the team with like the first, like, th- you know, the team with the top three of the, of the, the, the top five players in the series or, or three of the, the top six or four, of the top seven, whatever that team tends to win. Like top end talent wins in the playoffs depth, depth and depth and team chemistry and all that stuff factors in more in the regular season, but like Kobe and Shaq hated each other. They still won three championships in a row. They probably could have won more championships had they liked each other, but at the end of the day, talent is going to come into play. And as we've seen with the warriors this season, there's some fractures in that situation, but, and there's been fractures in it, you know, more than we probably knew in the past, but they've still been so damn dominant and, and, you know, still just basically been unbeatable in the post season, uh, really took, you know, Draymond green getting suspended and a miracle LeBron James, Kyrie Irving performance for them to lose a series. Uh, and then they went out and got Kevin Durant. So, uh, that said, if if you put these two teams next to each other and you were drafting, you would probably go at least three Warriors. You know, K- Katie and Steph, clearly top two. You'd probably take Clay over anyone on, on the Clippers. And there are, are some people who would take Draymond over anyone on the Clippers. I would probably go after Clay, Gallo, and then Lou, and then Draymond. But you can make the case, you know, you would still take Draymond over anyone on, you know, the Clippers. You know, playoff Draymond is a different beast. Uh, you know, again, that's my thing with the Warriors is, you know, everyone, we've done this the last couple of years where, you know, they kind of finished the season, you know, not well, or I think, uh, you know, they, they, they finished the season under 500, like the last 20 games or whatever last season. And everyone starts to overreact. Oh, you know, they're going to lose in the first, you know, second round. They're going to, they're beatable, blah, blah, blah. The playoff warriors are different. And, you know, I, again, I, I don't like saying all this stuff because this is a Clippers podcast. And, um, you know, I, I know there are a lot of fans who want to believe there's a chance and, and want to, you know, say everyone's doubting us and, you know, we could, we could win this series. But I, you know, my job, or at least, you know, the way I view my job is to be objective. I, I try to keep, you know, say things as they are, say things as I see them. And there really is no positive way to spin this series uh you know the the clipper like it just in general the 1 versus 8 you know such a big deal when the warriors beat the mavericks in 2007 uh when the nuggets beat the sonics in i believe 94 you know those were you know you can count the teams on on you know one hand that have you know 8 seed being a 1 seed in general they are just huge underdogs now you're talking about one of the more improbable playoff teams uh you know in in recent history and the clippers not having an all star and you're going up against one of the greatest teams of all time. You know, like that's not an exaggeration. That is a fact. The Warriors are, you know, in the middle of a dynasty, one of the greatest teams of all time. So this is what this is one of the more you know one sided one eight matchups in, in NBA history, frankly. Uh, and you know that's not the Clippers' fault. It's just they got the bad draw of, of playing the Warriors. Uh, so uh, now. As far as matchups and what's interesting about this series, I think the most the thing that's going to dictate this series whether it it you know whether it's a sweep, whether it goes to five, whether it somehow goes to six, seven you know who knows six seven whatever, it, it's going to be the Clippers defense. And the Clippers finished the season with the nineteenth best defense, uh, you know according to defensive rating, and they were fourteenth post trades. Uh, their first game together post trades, which was February 9th, that Boston Celtics game. Uh, the twenty-eight point comeback, so that is not going to get it done against the Warriors. The Warriors are first in the league in offensive rating. Again, they are probably the best collection of offensive talent ever, and they're certainly the best collection of shooting ever. So the Clippers cannot afford any letdowns or mistakes. Like, and and that's really you know it ties into so many other storylines for me because you know what what's going to happen with the rotations because like the second unit right. The second unit, the Clippers' second unit, is arguably the best second unit in the league, and you know they're as deep as anybody, if not deeper. They have two six Man of the Year candidates. You know, one will probably win, and that's Lou Williams. Uh, but I expect Montrezl Harrell to probably finish second, if not you know second or third. Uh, so they, you know, they have, and those are their second and third best players too. Uh, you know, Gallo's their best player, but Lou and Lou and Trez are number two and three, and it's gonna be interesting to me to see if Doc goes with two units because in the regular season, depth is more important because you know, most teams do go with some variation of two units. You know, they might stagger a little bit, but you know, for the most part, you're gonna have your kind of bench unit in, in your first unit. Uh, and and you know, again, you you might stagger a little bit and keep a starter or two out there. But for the most part, you know, most teams have a, a unit with at least three or four bench guys. And for the Clippers, that's been an advantage all season because they have, you know, arguably the two best bench players in the league or, you know, two of the top five, whatever. And, you know, that, that's that been a big advantage. The issue is in the playoffs, you know, especially with, with a team like the Warriors, they're going to play their stars a lot more minutes. You know, you're going to see Steph, Katie, Clay creeping up to that 36, 37, 38, 39 minutes. So whereas in, in you know, the regular season, uh, the Warriors have always tried to, you know, they, they've tried to stagger it a little bit more in recent years and, and try to keep one or two guys out there. But, you know, maybe in the past you would have had Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston and, uh, you know, Alfonso McKinney and Andrew Bogut and and someone else, um, you know, out there for, for the Warriors in their second unit. Now you're going to have like Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson or, you know, Steph Curry- draymond and boogie and it's just a different beast and for for as good as the clipper second unit is they're very good against second units you know they're not always the best uh, you know uh, against starting units and even when they do have success against starting units it's it's typically not you know the better starting units in the league the warriors have the best five man you know probably two of the top five man combinations in in the league when they're going with two three four of those guys you can't really afford to to be playing your bench. Now, I, I know Lou and Trez aren't normal bench players, so I'm not really considering them in, in this, um, you know, analysis. It's it's more of Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple and Wilson Chandler and Ty Wallace. Like, those guys become liabilities when they're going up. You know, if you're throwing out a lineup of Lou, Ty Wallace, uh, Garrett Temple, Jermichael Green, and Montrezl Harrell against the Warriors starting lineup, or, or like three of those guys... You're probably, you know, they're not going to be able to keep up, and, and that's just like the fact of the matter. So uh, the Clippers are going to have to shuffle their rotation. I don't think they could go two units against the Warriors. I think, frankly, you're going to need, like, if you look at the, the, you know, their starting lineup and and the two bench, you know, the two bench guys is maybe their seven best players. Uh, pro- probably like maybe Jamichael is better than Ivica. Uh, that that's debatable. But if you look at the top seven guys you're going to need three of those guys basically on the court at all times. And, and you know, you're going to need at least probably one or two stuff. Like, so I, I'm just interested to see how doc handles this rotation. Uh, you know, th- then you have the concerns with Lou defensively, like the, the warriors. One of the things Steve Kerr does really well is, you know, he will find a deficiency in an opponent and expose it. And for the Clippers, I, I think on the defensive side, that's going to be Lou Williams. Like we, you know, there's no secret that Lou Williams does not like playing defense. He even said it in, in Zach Lowe's piece for ESPN that, that came out a week ago. When he first got to LA, he had to negotiate with Doc Rivers about playing defense and basically said, I don't want to play defense. And, and Doc kind of got him to buy in a little bit. Uh, so that is a concern because the war, there are no hiding spots on the Warriors. When they're going with Steph, Clay, and KD as their three perimeter guys, who are you going to hide Lou on? Like, the, 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 you can't. You, you, you've got to put him on Draymond, which the Clippers started uh, th- this game last weekend on, on Sunday. They were putting him on Draymond, but then Draymond becomes a screener. And and you know now you're having to switch Lou potentially onto Steph or Clay. So the Clippers are, I mean, the, the Warriors are going to find ways to expose Lou. It's going to be really hard to play him in certain situations. It might end up being an offense-defense type thing where the Clippers have to sub him out late in games defensively, then bring him back offensively. And it, it's just going to have to be a rotational type thing. But the Warriors are going to go at Lou, and, you know, a- anyone would go at Lou, but the Warriors are especially equipped to expose bad defenders. Lou, you know, sometimes tries defensively, sometimes doesn't, but even when he's trying, he's just not a plus defender and the Warriors are going to expose that. Uh, so to me, the Clippers do have a, a weird conundrum where he's their second best player. He he's, maybe their best offensive player, you know, him and Galloway it's pretty close. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's going to be times where he might be unplayable or, or you know, you're going to have to be really selective with his minutes in certain stretches. And if he's not feeling it offensively, you might have to bench him at the end of games or, or certain stretches of the fourth quarter, just because I, I think to me, you know, the, the Clippers are not going to win, you know, up. Look, obviously, inherently, if you win a game, you got to outscore the team, but they're not going to outscore the Warriors. You know, they might have what even, you know, I go back to that, you know, that first game in Oracle, the Clippers were like 18 to 23 from three or something like, something crazy like that. I think it was the the best, uh, you know, all time percentage on on three pointers of of that, you know, that amount of attempts or or more. That was the best percentage of all time in in a a regular season game. And the Clippers still lost the game because the, the thing is, even if you hit 18 threes against the Warriors, they can still outshoot you. They can still outscore. And so to me, if the Clippers approach this like we're just going to go out there and outscore them, we're going to go toe-to-toe offensively. They don't, they can't do that. They cannot win. I do not think they can win even a game trying that. You know, maybe the Warriors have a, a rare game where they're historically cold from three and the Clippers steal a game that way. But if the Clippers are plenty on coming in and outscoring the Warriors, that is a failing recipe. Now if they come in and play good defense, and they they really can you know they really lock in, they're engaged for pretty much 48 minutes. Like you can't take possessions off against the Warriors. They can engage for 48 minutes. You know, lock in, you know, t- take clay out. You, you really got to take clay out. Like Steph and Katie are going to do their thing. Clay is the guy who really swings things for them. Uh, you know, and, and the Clippers have actually done a decent job at taking clay out for the most part. He, he's had a couple decent games against them. Uh, that first game in LA, he he really burned them. Late, uh, you know, late in the fourth and, and kind of went on the streak that, that kind of brought the game back and, and then Clippers won it overtime. But I think if you're the Clippers, you really got to focus on taking clay out of it. Uh, you know, Steph is going to get his you, you you can't stop him. Uh, you, you know, Katie is is the best one on one score in the league. I know people say James Harden. I think it's Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, he's six foot eleven those two are going to get theirs and they've gotten theirs against the Clippers. You know, both are shooting over 50% against the Clippers in the season series. Both are averaging over 30 points a game against the Clippers in the season series. They're going to get theirs. You know, you you got to live with that, but you know, the Clippers are going to sag off DeMarcus cousins. They're going to sag off Draymond green. They're going to let them shoot threes. Uh, You know, there's going to be some complications because those guys will turn into, to screeners and passers from out there. And, you know, maybe they hit a few threes and that, that swings a, a, a close game, but you're gonna to have to pick your poison defensively against this team, and I think that's what the Clippers' strategy is gonna be. Uh, you know, they're gonna let let DeMarcus Cousins take a, a three. You know, any shot he's taking that's not coming from Clay or Steph or, or KD, that's a win for the Clippers' defense. And I think that's really what you're gonna see dramatically is they're gonna just set. You know, Zubats, Trez, Jermichael, whoever's at the five, they're gonna let Boogie shoot. They're gonna let Draymond shoot. Uh, you know, Andrew Bogut's not gonna shoot from there, but if he wants to shoot from there, sure. You know, let let him have it. Uh, but I think the Clippers are really going to—they're you know, going to sag off those guys. They're going to double in the post when KD gets it. Uh, they're going to be wary of Steph and Clay's split cuts, uh, their back cuts, um, you know, their, their their flare outs. You know, the, the Warriors are a really difficult team to defend because they love getting out in transition. But unlike most teams, you know, it's been—it's become increasingly popular in the league. But unlike most teams, you know, most teams, you're running a fast break. You're you're going for a layup. You're going for a dunk. You're attacking the rim. Warriors flare out for threes, and you know they're the one team that, you know, they're they're almost better as a transition sh- three point shooting team than anything. Like Doc, Doc was asked it last night, what's the one thing you have to take away from them? He said their early, you know, their early offense and transition, particularly their three point shooting. So, you know, the Warriors, when you're getting back, you're not going, you're not running to the paint. You're you're running out to the corner. You're running out to the wing to you know to to try to stop Clay or Steph or whoever. Um, and then a lot of times what happens is, you know, the the threat of them, you know, trying to sh- you know, the, the threat of them shooting a three opens up the lane for them. So you'll see it with Steph, where he'll be out in transition. You'll think Steph's about to pull up for three, kind of gives you a little bit of a head fake, drives by, gets a layup. Or you're paying attention to Steph and, and Clay back cuts and then Clay gets a wide open layup. So the Clippers are really, you know, this is gonna have for the Clippers to have a chance in this series. And and I will say, like, I wouldn't say six games is completely impossible. I think there is a path to do that. Uh, I would be shocked at seven. I would clearly be shocked if they somehow won the series. Uh, but for the Clippers to even stretch this to five or maybe even six, uh, you know, they're going to have to play their best defense of the entire season. They're going to have to be locked in every single possession because the, the thing with the Warriors, and you saw it, uh, I think you saw it the last two games against them, The, the you know, the, the Marcus Cousins return game, And then this game in Oracle and the Clippers weren't at hundred percent. So it's hard to take away a lot from that game, but you know, the Clippers can keep things close for half, but the second you give, you know, especially, and and look, the the Clippers, we know about their third quarter struggles. We've talked about it all season. Uh, The, the Warriors are one of the best third quarter teams ever. So that's a, that's a great uh, matchup there. Um, The, you know, if you give the Warriors any momentum, that just can swing a game wide open. So as the you know, for the Clippers, what you you really just have to be locked, you know, I keep saying this, but you really have to be locked in every single possession every second. You cannot give this team any life. You know, if it's a close game, you let Steph hit a three, you let Katie get a layup, you know, you you let Klay hit a three, they will just reel off an 8-0 run, a 10-2 run, a 14-4 run. And, and that can blow up in a game. And you just see it time and time with the Warriors. You know, they can be down 8 to 10 points. Three minutes later, four minutes later, five minutes later, they're up 6, 8, 10. Because that, that's just how they are offensively. This team is explosive. And, you know, I just think, it to me, the, the series will come down to how the Clippers defend them. Um, I, I've been wary of the Clippers' defense all season. You know, 19th defensively is, is you know, below average. It's not great. Uh, 14th since the, since the trades that, that's better it's slightly above average but to me like this whole series will come down to how the clippers defend the warriors uh, on the other end the clippers have actually not played great offensively against golden state and golden state you know we always talk about the offense we don't talk about the defense defensively uh they finished the season ninth in defensive rating uh really rose towards the end of the season uh and you know they, they have so many guys like. I'm I'm interested to see how Lou does. Lou historically has done worse in the playoffs. Uh you know, his his shooting percentages, his his points per possession have dropped significantly in the postseason. This is kind of his first postseason as as a go-to guy as the number one option on a team. I'm interested to see how he does because the Warriors are going to throw Klay Thompson at him. They're going to throw Andre Iguodala at him. Uh you might see some Kevin Durant, Draymond, like they'll throw everyone at him and those are all all you know not KD but when KD engages he's a very good defender because he's freaking 7 feet tall and, and you know he has long arms he's basically a center in a small you know acting like a small forward but you know Draymond Clay Iguodala those are all three all defensive you know caliber guys and then you know maybe Clay or Draymond might make a all defensive team this season so like they have the the guys to throw at Lou they don't really have the guys as much to throw at Gallo. I think Gal, you know, this is going to be a really important series for Gallo. I think for the Clippers to win a game or to have a really competitive like five or six game series, Gallo is going to need to be the third best player in this series. You know, like you you know Steph and Katie are again are gonna get theirs. They're gonna be the two best players. They're two of the five best players in the league, if not two of the top three guys in the league. That, you know, they're on a different level. They're Kobe, they're Kobe and Shaq on the perimeter. It's a different like. You, you got to accept that Gallo needs to step, you know, Gallo needs to be better than clay Gallo needs to be better than Boogie Gallo needs to be better than Andre Godala. Uh, I think Gallo, you know, it, it's funny saying the best player on a team is an X factor, but Gallo to me really is the X factor because if he, you know, he's played under 30 minutes a night, all, you know, most of the season Clippers have been, um, you know, protective of his health uh, of his playing time, his, his workload. They don't want to, hamper him too much and, and you know he he has a bit of an injury prone history. So they've been very careful with that. And they've got him through the season, you know, relatively healthy. Uh so kudos to them and kudos to him. But I think in the postseason, he's gonna have to play 35, 36, 37 minutes a night, increase workload. You know, that's five to seven minutes a night more than he was playing at a higher intensity level in the postseason. So it's gonna be really interesting for me to see if Gallo can step up and be that Twenty-five to thirty-point score that the Clippers are going to need and really go toe-to-toe with Stephen Clay, uh, seven Steph KD, and, and outplay Clay because if the Warriors have the three best players in this series, which on paper they do, it's going to be a sweep, you know, or again maybe a five-game series. But if Gallo steps up, if Lou, you know, can can replicate eighty to ninety percent of what he's doing in the regular season, uh, if Trez can control the paint, the offensive glass, really pound them on on the boards. Uh, if Landry can continue his hot shooting and, and shoot the way he did in that Golden State game, uh, if Shea can, you know, defend Steph or defend Clay, you know, they have put him on both uh, and you know hold his own. Uh, you know, and the, the, look on the other end, the, the Warriors are going to ignore Shea. You know, the, the Warriors are going to say, "Hey Shea, uh, you know, we, we see your thirty-eight percent three-point shooting. Uh, we also see that you shot under twenty percent in January and in February. Go shoot your threes, uh, and you know we'll, we'll live with that. Uh, if you saw that in the Oracle game, Kevin Durant was guarding Shea for for some stretches, and he was just completely ignoring him. And and Shea actually, what Shea did, which was good, was you know Shea took that and, and you know he cut or he, he used that as a as a kind of a, a uh, runway for for driving to the paint, and, and he got some layups, and he got fouled a couple times from that. So I think that's what Shea needs to do. Shea needs to be ready to shoot, and Shea needs to be ready to attack the rim. Uh, when the Warriors, you know, uh, ignore him because that's really the difference between him and and Draymond. You know, he's going to get the Draymond boogie treatment, but the difference is he's a guard who can put the ball on the floor uh, and attack the rim. Draymond, not really so much. You know, if he's going to drive, he's going to look to kick. Uh, Boogie might try to barrel his way to the rim, but Clippers will probably take that because they might be able to take a charge on that or, you know, he'll, he'll turn the ball over or something. So I think for the Clippers... You know, I I just went over a lot of things. But for me, the defense is where it's most interesting. And, you know, that to me is is the whole series. Because the Clippers, I think think they'll figure it out offensively. Uh, I think, you know, they've been a good enough offense where they won't get to the free throw line as much. But if they can increase their three-pointers and reduce their turnovers, I think they should be fine offensively. And, you know, at least be able to compete somewhat with Golden State. But if, you know, th- to me th- it's all about the defense. And, you know, how do they defend them? You can't drop in the pick and roll against Golden State. Uh, you know, the Clippers love to drop, bring their big man back. Can't do that against Steph, can't do that against KD, can't do that against Clay. Uh, the Warriors don't run a lot of pick and roll. For them, it's a lot of um, you know, split cuts and and pin downs and and you know, a lot of off-ball screening and cutting and Double handoffs and just a lot of motion and, and you know, ball movement and stuff. But, uh, you know, that that requires a lot of defensive effort and intensity. And, uh, you know, I don't want to keep hammering that, that defense drum. But to me, Clippers defense will dictate this series. If, if they get swept, it's because of their defense. If they win a game or two, it's because of their defense. And, uh, you know, I'd be very surprised if they just have a, like, game they drop 135 and and you know outshoot the Warriors. If if that happens, then I'm wrong. I'll eat that crow. But uh to me, if the Clippers win a game or two in this series, it's gonna come down to being locked in defensively uh for you know for 48 minutes. To me, that that's gonna make Garrett Temple very interesting. Outside of Pat, he's probably their second best perimeter defender. Uh they're gonna need him to shoot and, and you know connect on threes and, and be a little bit of an offensive threat. Because the Warriors will probably ignore him too, but if you know Garrett Temple can can at least hit threes at a respectable rate, I think he could play you know 15, 18 minutes potentially in the series. Uh, Jermichael Green's another one where he just might be a better matchup you know uh, against the Warriors than, than a Zubat. So I could see him maybe getting some of those minutes at the five. Uh, you know he, he's a floor spacer, uh, he, he's a energy guy, good rebounder, mo- you know multi positional defender. Um, you know he might guard KD a little bit at, at times. Uh, he could switch, you know, you could have him help off of Draymond. So look, I, at the end of the day, I, I think this Clippers season has been a success. I think there's a lot to take away from this that's positive. Um, but they are playing the Warriors, you know, they are playing Goliath. They are David, you know, there was going to be a David and Goliath element to their first round series pretty much anyway. Uh, but, you know, they're now going at Goliath, Goliath they're going at, they're going at the top dog. They're going at the two-time defending champs, uh, you know, going for the three-peat. They're going against, you know, potentially two all-NBA first-team guys. They, they You know, it, it's going to be an interesting series. I think, you know, there's a lot of history here with these two teams, at least in the f- last five years. Uh, you know, Pat and Steph, uh, Doc Rivers and, and Draymond. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how it all plays out. Uh, I think... We'll have some technicals. We'll have some flagrants. We will we might have some ejections. Uh, we'll have some words and, and barbs traded in the media. It's going to be interesting for sure from, from that perspective. But uh, ultimately, I will have more of my playoff preview on The Athletic. So you should check that out. Uh, it should be up tomorrow morning. I'll also have questions for each Clippers rotation player. Uh, so check that out Friday morning. But for me... I'm, my official prediction right now is the Warriors in five. I do think that the Clippers will get game three or game four at Staples. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say game four. Uh, look, But look, I, I could see this being a competitive four or five game series. Like I, I could see the Clippers, um, you know, being in, you know, I think I think they will probably get blown out one of the games in Oracle, but I could see the other one being close. And then at Staples, I could see, you know, both games being close, but I just think at the end of the day, like they're going against a historic team and, you know, on on both ends, but especially offensively. And, you know, if, if the Clippers have a weakness, it is their defense, you know, their defense has been very inconsistent all season. And, you know, there's been stretches where they've been in the top 10. There's been stretches where they've been in the bottom five. And on on the whole, they finished 19th. And I, I think that really speaks to their defensive inconsistency. And, this is the one team you cannot be defensively inconsistent against. If you look at the teams that have had success against them, they've had multiple wing stoppers. They, you know, they've been good defensive teams or teams that could turn, you know, maybe the the Cavs are maybe an exception, but they had LeBron, freaking James and, and Kyrie Irving. So I, I think if you're, you know, if you're the Clippers, you, you know, I, I don't think you go into this. Well, if you're the Clippers, you, you obviously have to go and think you're gonna win this series, but if you're a Clipper fan, I think you you take, you look at the season in, in the macro sense of this was a success. They won 48 games. They're well set up for the future. They have young guys, draft picks, cap space. Uh, they've I think they've really rebuilt the franchise's image. Um, you know, like I think even with the the progress of, of Chris and Blake, this was not, the franchise was was beginning to change, but it hadn't really changed yet. I think the last couple of years have been huge for the franchise's reputation and perception. And I think moving forward, the future is very bright for the Clippers, potentially brighter than any other franchise in the league. So I think if you're a Clippers fan, you take that uh, for as as far as the series. I think you just got to enjoy it for what it is. You know, you're going to get to watch uh, some fun basketball, some intense basketball, and you know, maybe the Clippers win a game. Maybe they win two games. I I don't know. But I think, you know, if you want to be realistic, set realistic realistic expectations. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, Kudos to you. I envy the optimism. But, uh, I will object. You know, put my objective hat on. Uh, I do think the Warriors win this in five. And if I had to pick between, if you gave me the option between four games and six games, I would go four games. So, with that said, here is the Warriors preview with Anthony Slater of the Athletic. Uh, we'll get his take on things, uh, and you know, get a little bit of the Warrior side of stuff, and, and then go from there. Life can be stressful but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. In most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E T H O S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. I'd like to welcome my colleague Anthony Slater, the Warriors beat writer for The Athletic and host of the Warriors All 82 podcast. How you doing today, Anthony?
1: I'm doing good, do- double time on the podcast. <laughs> so.
0: Doing a little cross promotion here. I just did your podcast, uh, now you're going to do a quick hit on mine. It's um,
1: 2019, uh, this is a common thing,
0: yeah. Um, so I- I'm curious, uh, from a Clippers perspective, why do you think the Warriors? Wanted the Clippers so badly,
1: uh, you know it's it sounds arrogant from their side of things, but truly uh, L.A. is the reason, um, and and that's from they're going to be able to relax in good weather. Clay's from there; he really wanted it. Uh, you know, Jordan Bell's from there. Kevin Durant has a house there. Draymond Green loves it there. Uh, Steve Kerr's from there. <laughs> <laughs> they just like the city, and they're not; they don't feel threatened. They didn't feel threatened by the Clippers or the Spurs. They felt like those were low drama series. Uh now, if this was the Lakers in LA instead of the Clippers, then I could see them preferring the Spurs because the Lakers bring drama and they bring LeBron James. The Thunder bring a lot of drama, especially in the Kevin Durant realm. And yeah. you know, they bring they bring star power that if if Paul George is just playing at that MVP form, then suddenly they're a lot tougher. Uh, whereas the Clippers. You know, they're going to be challenging, but any playoff team is going to be challenging. Playing Greg Popovich in the Spurs is going to be a mental challenge. Um, yeah. But with this Clipper series, they just get to fly down to L.A., quick flight, stay in L.A., stay in the same time zone, uh, knowing that down the road they're going to go two time zones to Texas probably for a Houston series. They might have to go three time zones if it's Oklahoma City and be in a highly dramatic West Finals, or whoever's in the West Finals. It's going to be weird that one of those teams <laughs> in the West Finals. And then, and then you know the NBA Finals will be in the Eastern Eastern Conference time zone. So I just I think they're just happy they have a kind of a soft opening to these playoffs from a travel perspective.
0: So you wrote in great in depth uh, playoff preview, uh, you know more from the Warriors perspective, but there was some Clipper stuff in there that I thought was interesting. So I, I don't want to spoil your story, but Spoiling. what do you think is <laughs> what what do you think is the key for the Warriors in this series?
1: Oh man, uh, I mean, the, the key for them always is just like, do they care enough? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, again, it, it's it's kind of the arrogant nature of where they are, and the, you know, Ed on this run. But I mean, it's realistic. It's like the human emotion side of it. Um, you know, l- last year they really turned it up to start the playoffs. After they they were really bad to end last season, seven and ten in their last seventeen games. Steph Curry missed the first round; he was hurt with a knee injury, which kind of created. Uh, you know, a bit of angst around them. Um, they were better to end this season, although this was a more dramatic season than last year with all the stuff looming over them. Um, they they kind of turned the corner in the last month after they got beat by the Suns at home. Uh, you know, Cousins kind of, I, I think, got more comfortable. Kevin Durant's in a better mood. They're healthier than they've ever been in the Durant era entering the playoffs. Two years ago, he had an MCL sprain um, kind of entering the playoffs. So uh, they're in a good place. I expect them defensively to to come out and play well. Um, but the question is, can they sustain that and make this a quick series? Uh, because I think everyone involved believes this should be a quick series if, if they play up to their potential. It's all about them actually doing it. Last year, they should have swept the Spurs. Uh, but in Game 4, they kind of didn't care that much. And Manu Ginobili had the last great moment of his career, scored like you know 20-something points, had an unbelievable finish. And they had to have a Game 5, which put, which put more stress on them, puts them in more you know, situations where they could possibly get injured. Um, and then they went and, and, and same thing uh, in the second round. They, they did five again. I think they should want to just make this a four-game sweep. And, and I, I'm interested to see if they come out with that mindset.
0: So for, for the Clipper fans listening, uh, that that was a scary sentiment you just put out there that, you know, the Warriors have never been healthier. Uh, I, you know, they, they've kind of realized that maybe in the past they haven't taken some series as uh, seriously, as they should have. So, what what can you know? What do you think the the Warriors are most concerned with with the Clippers? And is there any sense of optimism uh, for for Clippers fans or Clippers faithful uh, of just something that can kind of give them a glimmer of hope?
1: Yeah, you know, I think if you're the Warriors, you're a lot more concerned about like the high energy guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is is Beverly just a pest, and does he get you know in the head at, at times of, of Steph and maybe drag him and Steph into a mental place he doesn't necessarily want to be um you know you notice know, clay thompson hit some struggles because uh you know the clippers are just physical with them i mean it'll be interesting how this series is officiated and then montrez harrell to me uh you know you go back the clippers beat the warriors once this season uh, it was in la was, you know that game is known for the Draymond katie sideline blow up that you know really kind of derailed their season for a while but in that game harrell was awesome um uh, i think 10 of 13 i put it in that preview i did uh, but he was kind of the player of that game i thought and, and it was just because he out hustled them to a bunch of rebounds uh he was just you know he, he's kind of got like that tasmanian way that he goes to the rim like diving and like the warriors just didn't seem all that interested in getting in front of him uh, and if he plays that way and the warriors just don't bring don't equal that effort like those are the guys that i think um can, can get it to a point where these games are competitive, and if if there's three minutes to go and it's a closed game, then, you know, it's a toss up and you, you know, you steal a game or two. Suddenly it becomes a longer series. And, and, and we're talking about a lot more interesting series. So I think it's Harold. I think it's Beverly. And then I think Landry Sham, just has to hit a bunch of threes.
0: Yeah. No, I, what, what, what I think might be uh the Clipper, the Clippers greatest advantage in this series might be the, uh, the Friday and Saturday nights in between games three and four in LA uh i think (laughs) i I think you could see a scenario where the warriors are up 3-0 uh they have a friday and saturday night in la and then uh, clippers win game four
1: yeah Uh, (laughs) especially if it's 3-0 you know if it's 2-1 i think the Warriors would be really locked in especially on the saturday because they'll practice saturday and if it's 2-1 like they're smart enough to know you do not want to you know drag it to a 2-2 situation um, but if it's 3-0, similar to, to, like I said, what they did in San Antonio last year, they were up 3-0, and then they just kind of laid down in Game 4, knowing that, you know, they don't mind going back to Oracle for Game 5, but no part of them wants to make two trips in a series. You know, they don't want to have to go back to L.A. for Game 6. So,
0: uh, You know, w- one question schematically, we, as we talked about, you know, you, you wrote a bit about it, uh, we talked about it on your podcast like the, the Clippers do plan on on just sagging off of, of Draymond and, and Boogie, giving them open threes. Uh, you know, they're going to shade over, double in the post, uh, you know, watch for the backdoor cuts, that you know, the, the split cuts. And, you know, Clay likes to go backdoor. And, um, you know, especially if the, if the Clippers are putting like Landry on him, he has that size advantage, that strength advantage where he can kind of push him and, and then cut to the basket. Uh, how do you think the Warriors are going to counter that?
1: Uh, you know, I, I think one main thing the Warriors need beyond just like schematic counters is they just need those guys you mentioned to hit occasionally hit a three, you know, um, Draymond was terrible shooting before the All-Star break 23%, I think from three and since the break, he's been in like high 30s um, and historically in the playoffs, he he's had like really he's just been a good shooter in the playoffs. Um, I think last year he ended the playoffs at like, you know, near 40% from three he's had finals games where he hit six threes, which is just unfathomable, unfathomable to think about right now. Draymond green hitting six <laughs> threes in a game. Um, but you know, the main thing is Draymond. knows this isn't just a Clippers, you know, scheme thing. He knows every defensive team in this playoffs is going to let him shoot from three. So before there's any schematic adjustments, he just needs to confidently shoot them and, and, and you know, hope he makes. Uh, if he takes five in a game, try to make two of them. And, and same with Cousins. You know, Cousins historically is a better shooter than Draymond, uh, but hasn't been this season since he's come back. I think he's 27% over his 30 games. Uh, he he needs to hit threes in this play. Well, you know, he doesn't need to. The funny thing with the Warriors is their margin, <laughs> their margin of error, where it's like if those guys miss threes, then suddenly they're a bit more vulnerable. You still favor them, but they're vulnerable. But if those guys hit threes, like they should run away. Uh, in in any game that those guys hit multiple threes, and um, and as far as the counters, I, I, I mean it's it, it's all about. It, there's just so many options on the floor where, like, yeah, you know, maybe you're shutting down Clay here, uh, but to me, their ultimate counter to any time anyone's playing them well defensively is just to dump it over to Kevin Durant, um, <laughs> uh, in the high post, and then you either play him one on one with a defender that's smaller than him because every defender is shorter than him, basically. Uh, and then he shoots and he's shot 56% on jumpers from like 15 to 19 feet this year. And he's 55% overall on mid-rangers, uh, which is one of the greatest mid-range shooting seasons in history. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you double him, And then that kind of tilts the balance of the defense elsewhere. And uh, then suddenly you can start doing different cuts that, that, you know, there's a lack of defenders that are able to help.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting how they defend him. Uh, you know, I think Pat's going to start out on him, but, you have to remember Pat's, you know, about six foot one, Katie's six eleven, maybe seven feet uh, that, you know, and I, I think you remember like the, the Clippers were the, you know, one of the first teams to kind of defend him that way when they put Chris Paul on him in that, in that 2014 uh, semifinal series. And, in you know, Chris Paul actually had some uh, great success against him and kind of won, I, th- I forgot if that was game three or game four that they won. Uh, you know, going with Chris uh, on Kevin almost exclusively in the fourth quarter. But, you know, I think Kevin has just gotten so much better since then, which is crazy because that was, I-, I believe that was his MVP season. uh You know, and I don't think, you know, putting Pat on him is really going to shut him down. If anything, it might help him go off more. So I, I think that, and, and you posed that in, in your preview as kind of, you know, the, the first thing. um I think that's really going to be the most interesting thing because, Steph, like, you kind of know what Steph's going to do and you could kind of scheme against it. And, you know, it, if anything, it just opens up other stuff and you just kind of got to deal with that. But Katie's the one thing where it's like, they don't have a good matchup for him. Uh, you know, I, I don't really see, you know, you're going to give up something somewhere. So I'm just interested to see how the the Clippers kind of negotiate that. Uh, last question here before uh, we, we go to the prediction quickly. Uh, the Clippers and the Warriors have a history. Uh, and and that rivalry, I feel like it, it it's dead. Uh, I I don't know if it's it's fully dead. Maybe this series revives it, and it's like a you know a testy five game series, and they go back to hating each other. But is there still an element of that? You know, I felt almost an oracle. You you can kind of feel the energy uh, against the Clippers, and then you, even when the Warriors come to Staples, there, there's a lot of Warriors fans there. Do you think there's you know do you think that rivalry is is fully dead? Like I, I know Steph. Uh, you know, historically, has gone off against the Clippers. His regular season numbers against them are insane. Um, you know, it seems like he loves seeing that red and blue. Uh, do you think there's something there w- w- with that rivalry, and or maybe do you think this series will kind of respark that?
1: You know, I think it's always more about the humans than it is the um, teams. Uh, their rivalry is with Chris Paul, and that has carried <laughs> over to Houston. And he remains <laughs> he remains a guy that they kind of have contentious feelings for, uh, and you know, it just kind of has dipped into a different series. Now, Patrick Beverly has brought some history that he has with Steph over to the Clippers. So like there, there will be some tension there Uh, and Montrez Harrell and and just that high energy style he plays. I'm sure he's going to have some, you know, especially in the playoff series, as you know, once you play a team three, four, five straight times, uh, it just like, you know, the angst, the, the, it just kind of builds. And by the end, you don't like the, the other team and the other players as much. So, uh, you know hey, and i mean what you're mentioning is somewhat true too with just like the california flavor yeah you go down to la and the clippers players probably don't love that there's a bunch of warriors fans cheering the warriors and a bunch of Steph curry fans uh walking around in 30 jerseys so that maybe adds to to maybe their sour feelings and then you know up in oracle uh, you know doc rivers being there being still yeah. like, kind of interesting he you know he's a guy that uh has always been kind of a funny outspoken quote that Draymond's gone back and forth with. I think there's some, you know, there's a solid respect level for Doc Rivers, but uh the fact that he's still there, at least he's like the one tie still to that rivalry.
0: Yeah, like the, the Warriors still have a lot of the same infrastructure. Steph, uh, Clay, Draymond, Andre, Sean, uh, Steve, obviously. Uh, but, or I guess Mark Jackson was in that series, but, you know, kind of since then, you know, it's, it's been Steve versus Doc. Uh, yeah. I mean, Doc Doc has said, uh, you know, that the first year the Warriors won the title, he was like, they didn't have to go through us. And, and that kind of rubbed the, the Warriors the wrong way.
1: Story, um, Glenn, I believe. Was- yeah.
0: <laughs> um, you know, and then the Clippers are technically the last Western conference team to, uh, to beat the Warriors. I, I'm really interested to see the, the crowds in game three and four, because, you know, that series was in 2014 before the Warriors became this phenomenon. Like you, you were starting to see the kernels of it in, in that series and, You know, they went to Draymond at the four and Steph really broke out, uh, you know, going toe to toe with Chris Paul. And it was kind of almost like a passing of the guard. And that was really, you know, that was before that 67 and 15 uh, first title series. But Staples was like 50-50 Warriors fans versus Clippers fans. And and that was before the Warriors were the most popular team in the league. So I do wonder what that dynamic is going to be. And I'm almost like concerned it could be like scary one-sided where it's like, you know, 60% Warriors fans or something crazy like that.
1: It's going to be loaded with Warriors fans. Now, how each team plays matters, where you can have 30% of the crowd, but if, you know, Montrezl Harrell's going off and Sham is hitting a bunch of threes and the Clippers are up 12 in the first half, like the Clippers side of the arena or, you know, the Clippers portion, (laughs) we going nuts and you'll hear them. But if Steph is on one of his runs, if Clay hits three straight threes and staples, you're going to hear, um a rare amount of road cheering that you you know don't hear that often um in the playoffs because you know the Warriors go into Salt Lake City they do not have many Warriors fans in there for the playoffs they go into Oklahoma City you see some Steph jerseys but I mean it is a very pro Oklahoma City crowd very pro San Antonio crowd last year Portland is very pro Portland uh but LA I mean you just know there's going to be so many Warriors fans
0: yeah, even that first game that the Clippers won, uh, uh, Clay got hot. I, I think in the fourth quarter, it hit like three or four threes to, to kind of narrow that game down, and then it went to overtime. And uh, when when Clay went on that streak, like the crowd was going nuts, and they were, they were cheering the loudest they had cheered all game for Clay going off. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see uh, how that shakes out. I know you got to go right, so I'm going to let you go. But quickly, uh, what's your series prediction and why?
1: Warriors in five. They they uh they love to sleepwalk in at least one. Season. You know Joe Lacob doesn't mind it either. He gets more money uh if the Warriors host an extra uh, game in Oracle, so he wouldn't mind a game five. He does not want a game seven in Oracle. Um, but I'm going Warriors in five.
0: I'm with you. Uh, I you know my gut reaction was was Warriors in four, but I, I think enough people around the Warriors uh, and you know including yourself have, have kind of. Uh, champion this notion that they do tend to take their foot off the gas and you know as sad as that reality is for the clippers like i I think it is way more just about how the war you know the warriors focus and and how they're playing and what they're doing if they're on their game even their their B B plus game like they can kind of coast i I think and and sweep this thing but if there are moments where they, they get into it with the refs or they get cold from three or or whatever I, I think the Clippers can steal, you know, probably one of the two games at Staples. My guess would be Game Four. Uh, but Anthony, appreciate the time. Uh, maybe we'll have you on uh, again during the, the series. Hopefully, it's uh, <laughs> hopefully there's enough time to get you back on. But uh, we'll talk soon, man. I'll see you in a couple All right, days.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you again to Anthony for coming on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Anthony V. Slater. That is at Anthony V. Slater. He does great job covering the Warriors. Uh, you should check out his work on The Athletic. You should follow him on Twitter to stay up to date with Warriors news and information, including what Draymond and Katie are saying after games, what Boogie's saying after games. Uh, that might be the most interesting part of this series. Uh, if you have any feedback for me, you can reach out to me as always and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That is at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you'd like to read my work, please check out and subscribe to The Athletic. Start off with a one-week free trial. See if you like it, and then decide if you want to keep subscribing for the price of fries at Shake Shack. That's, that's what we'll go with this week. Uh, I have a playoff preview coming out Friday morning. Uh, should be breaking down some interesting things from the series, and then a question for each Clippers rotation player. Uh, so look for those Friday morning on The Athletic. Most importantly... If you are listening here, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Clip City podcast on Blue Wire. Uh, we are now on Stitcher, as I've said the last couple episodes. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, those are the, the three primary ones. Uh, please leave five-star reviews. Uh, I promise to uh, to like uh, your, your, your tweets and, and comments on, on Instagram and, and Twitter and engage with you. Uh, let me know if you do, and I will uh, be very appreciative. Uh, I will talk to you guys on Sunday, actually. Uh, should be right after the game, so may- maybe Saturday night. Uh, Tuesday schedule is going to be scrapped for now. Uh, I'm in zero dark 30, uh, playoff mode moving forward. So I will be having a podcast again uh, after each game and with any relevant news kind of throughout the series. So uh, be on the lookout for that. I should have a few pods over the next week at a minimum. So I appreciate you listening and talk to you soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.